0: As well, if you're a fan of Canadian history, make sure you check out all of my shows, From John to Justin, Canadian History X, Canada, A Yearly Journey, and Box and Cups, along with Canada's Great War. And don't forget, you can also donate directly to the show at www.canadaehx.com. Just click Donate. It helps keep this show going, and all donations in September will be going to the SPCA in the memory of my best pal, Boris, who sadly passed away earlier this month. Okay, on with the show. The team had been chosen, and while people were angry over the exclusion of various NHL players like Dave Keon and WHA players like Bobby Hull, but overall, the country was excited for the series and were sure of winning. Conn Smythe would weigh in, stating, quote, Hull in 15 years has been on one Stanley Cup team. Mahovlich has been on five and holds the series record for goals scored and points made in a Stanley Cup playoff, end quote. The players in the NHL were considered to be the best in the world, and for good reason. They were among the best in the world. This North American-centric view disregarded the European players who were just as skilled, and in the cases of some players, even more skilled. The public consensus in Canada was that the Soviets were simply no match for the Canadians, and most expected the Canadians would not even be challenged in the series. Coach Harry Sinden would say, Canada is first in the world in two things, hockey and wheat. End quote. Alan Eagleson would say, quote, We got a win in eight games. Anything less than an unblemished sweep of the Russians would bring shame down on the heads of the players and the national pride, quote. The Soviets, not wanting to show their hands, simply stated they were going to use the series to learn. It was part of their strategy to ensure that the Canadians did not know exactly just how good the team was. Most of the hockey analysts stated that the Soviets would not win a single game. One journalist for the Global Mail stated that he would eat his column stating that the Soviets wouldn't win a game shredded in a bowl of borscht at high noon on the steps of the Russian embassy. When the analysts and experts did give the Soviets some chance, it was always only winning one game. Jacques Plant, who had not been offered a spot on the team likely due to the fact that he was 43, but only three years removed from his last Vezina, would give advice to Vladislav Tretiak in the hope that the Soviets wouldn't be too embarrassed, he would say, quote, Thinking of the humiliation, he was almost certain to suffer, end quote. In a piece published in the Windsor Star, he would write, quote, I believe Russia's best will beat Canada's best in hockey eventually, but not this year. I doubt if the Russians will win a single game next month in the Great Confrontation, either in Canada or in Russia, Plant quote. Plante believed that Russia would beat Canada's best in 10 years' time. Tom Keenan of a Sioux star would say the same, stating that the Russians will learn fast. He would write, quote, Get ready to laugh. However, in five years from now, I hope you can still laugh at what I was about to say. Team Canada will defeat Russia in this year's long-awaited hockey confrontation, but in five years, Russia will be the hockey power of the world, quote. He was, of course, very wrong. While we all know how the 1972 series turned out, the Russians would actually win the 1974 Summit Series. When Canada did do scouting, they didn't do a very good job of it. When Canada scouted Tretiak, he had gave up 8 goals, but what was ignored was the fact that he had played the day before his wedding. Bob Davidson and John McEllen, the scouts for Canada, would only spend 4 days in Russia in August. To them, the Soviets looked like a team of outclassed amateurs, and they believed Tretiak to be the weak link of the team. We now know that Tretiak was not the weak link, but one of the greatest goalies in the history of hockey a future Hall of Famer and one of six players named to the IIHF Centennial All-Star Team, was anything but weak. Today, it's believed that the Soviets downplayed their skill when the Canadians were watching in an effort to give them a false sense of security. The Soviet team was a finely-tuned machine of hockey, and anything but an outclassed group of amateurs. Of course, there were many who said that it would not be easy. John Robertson with the Montreal Stars stated that Canada was not prepared for the series. He would say, quote, the most important hockey event of our time has been tacked onto the front of the nhl season as something only tolerated by the owners and endorsed by the players as a means of enriching their pension plans End quote he would add quote, ask me who i like in the forthcoming canada russia hockey series canada now ask me who is going to win russia i don't think it will be close the al eagleson all-stars will be fortunate to split the four games played in canada and they will even come close to winning one in Russia." Quote. He would predict Russia would win the series 6-2. Billy Harris, who had spent 14 years in the NHL and now coached the Swedish national team and had seen the Soviets many times, said the Soviets would win and it would be because of the goaltending of Tretyak. At the time, NHL players didn't typically work out during the summer. It was not the year-long fitness regime we see in the NHL today. In most cases, NHL players actually had jobs in the summer to boost their yearly pay. They would only begin to get in shape for the season as training camp approached. As training camp began, the focus was on scoring goals, with little put on defense. For the players, it was about how many goals they were going to score against the Soviets, and few worried about how Ken Dryden or Tony Esposito would play. Training camp would run for three weeks in total before the team arrived in Montreal on August 31st for the first game to happen in only a few days' time. Serge Savard would say of the team, quote, all through training camp, I don't think we really put enough emphasis on defense. All the time, it was goals, goals. How many goals are we going to beat them by? End quote.
1: We had been encouraged to believe that it was going to be a, an easy series. And from where I was sitting, you know, with Esposito and Dryden and all these great stars on our club, I couldn't believe anybody could be as good as, as what we were going to be. And... and In fact, you know, like I never thought I was going to play even. I was just going to watch these guys mop off the Soviets.
0: Among the players on the team, Ken Dryden was the only one to warn everyone that they should not take the Russians lightly. Dryden had played with Ken's amateur team three years previous against the Soviets. He would say, quote, You must remember that a North American will appraise the Russians using his own standards. Just because a North American says the Russians pass too much, that doesn't necessarily mean it is so. It may be true in our judgment, but the Russian would still be right, End quote. I knew they were good. I knew they should be respected. But where they would fit in with us on the same ice surface was a different story. I was cautious about it, but we didn't have enough fear. You know, We did not respect our opponent enough. We didn't have the sense that we could lose. The players really liked training camp, especially Phil Esposito, who fell twice on the first day of training camp, Pete Mahovlich would say of the first day and the fatigue he felt, quote, Yeah, you bet I was surprised. I'm sure a lot of them have been skating. The ice wasn't very good. End quote. Training camp would also be a bit dangerous. Brad Park had to be taken off on a stretcher after he took a puck to the face on a Dennis Hall slap shot during a scrimmage. Later that day, Stan Makita had to be checked out after he hurt his shoulder, which had been an old injury for him. Both Brad Park and Stan Makita would be able to play in the series, though. Early on in the series, a leader began to emerge from the players and one who have a huge impact on Canada's success in the series. Ironically, it was the man who complained about leaving his hockey school to be on Team Canada. Coach Sinton would say, quote, I'll tell you who's a pretty good leader, Esposito. Esposito always had leadership qualities. Maybe you don't see it too much with Bobby Orr on the ice, but Esposito can lead by performance and by what he says in the dressing room. Sinton would also say that Makita was a leader on the team as well. Overall, players were enthusiastic during training camp, having fun with players they had competed against for years, but who are now all united in a common cause to win the series for Canada. Tony Esposito would say that both sides of the scrimmages looked, quote, a little rusty, but the timing is coming. The shooting is really good, end quote. Rod Gilbert would say, quote, I think we're going to be more dedicated than in a normal training camp. It is all a matter of individual pride, end quote. During training camp, the NHL Board of Governors also agreed that during the eight-game series, separate flights would be used for the players so that all the players were not on one plane. This was done to avert a disaster in the NHL if a plane crashed, taking out the majority of the star players in the NHL. Sinden would immediately squash this idea. He said, quote, What they're asking is impossible. It was difficult enough splitting them in two for some flights, end quote. did Avril die? Was she replaced by a doppelganger? I'm Joanne McNally, and I'm doing a deep dive into a notorious internet conspiracy. Who replaced Avril Levine? Listen wherever you get your podcasts. In training camp, the line of Bobby Clark, Ron Ellis, and Paul Henderson impressed the coaches enough that they would earn a place in the starting lineup. As it turned out, Clark and Henderson would be a vital reason for Canada eventually winning the series. In just three weeks' time,
1: all these seats will be filled with more than 16,000 fans in Maple Leaf Gardens watching
0: what has been billed as the most exciting hockey series of all time. Team Canada opened its training camp here at the gardens today with a full squad, 35 of the best hockey players in the National Hockey League on hand. To a man they've
1: one thought in mind, to prove that the world's best hockey team is Canadian. Practice has started this afternoon and will continue twice daily until the first game on September 2nd in Montreal. This morning was reserved for light skating, posing for photographers and interviews. This afternoon for a full-scale workout. Okay,
0: now move ten as fast as you can. Okay. Halfway. One, two, two and a half, three, three, four and a half.
1: Five, seven, six, eight, seven, nine, ten. How many sticks do you prepare, uh, Phil? I'm gonna prepare an awful lot. Uh, got a long trip to go and uh, I'm gonna get an awful lot of them ready for the, you know, for the series, especially in Russia. Of course, in Canada it'll be all right. I can come here and prepare. Them, but I don't even know whether they got a rasp over there. <laughs> Harry made a comment, maybe somewhat facetiously, on in the weekend, uh, saying that uh, the Russians get up at six o'clock in the morning uh, to run around their hotel to keep in shape, and some of you fellows are just coming in at that time. That's their fault for getting up that early. <laughs> I don't like it myself. Uh, now they have different training programs. When I was over in Sweden, uh, I was over there quite fortunately doing a hockey school with Arne Stromberg and. Uh, Or Mats Lind, who plays for the Swedish national team, he says, Phil, he says, what do you guys do for training in the summertime? I said, oh, we sit around and drink beer and swim and fool around a little bit and have a boat and everything else and fish. He says, are you kidding me? He says, you drink beer? I says, yeah, I like a bottle of beer once in a while. And he said to me, wow, he says, I swim 15 miles a day. And he says, I weight lift every day and press 200 pounds. Well, I don't even know what that Press, whatever that means. I don't even know what it means. I've never done it before in my life. And I said, well, I mean, every, every person has a different way of training. Uh, not only are we playing for ourselves, but for Canada and the National Hockey League. And we're going to give it uh, 100%. How much... Uh effect is it going to mean to this team not having Hull and Sanderson and uh, Cheevers Well, certainly we'd like to have them, there's no doubt about it, but uh, that's up to the fellows that are running this and I'm only glad that they invited me and, uh, you know, we can't be worrying about something like this. We've got a job to do and uh, we're going to do the best we can. Yeah, the two weeks might be not be enough time to get in real top shape. Uh, if we were going to play against a cl- another club from our own league or something, It would be enough time, but the Russians are so far ahead of us, I think from what I heard, I don't know if this is true or not, that they'll be a third of the way through their schedule by the time we play them, and that means they're going to be in pretty top form.
0: Coach Sindin would say that he wished he had more time for training camp to get everyone in shape for the games, especially considering the Russians were seen to be in great shape. The Soviets had arrived in Montreal on August 30th, and stayed at the Queen Elizabeth Hotel, where they began to train twice a day at the Saint Laurent Arena. To prepare for the games in Montreal, the team had been training on Montreal time for two weeks while they were still in the Soviet Union. With the team were 15 forwards, 9 defensemen, and 3 goalies. Excitement was at a fever pitch in Canada, especially for the games within Canada. Prime Minister Pierre Trudeau announced that he would be attending the game in Montreal and the game in Toronto. Joining him in Toronto would be Premier Bill Davis of Ontario. Having the two men in the game meant 98 tickets had to be put aside for staff and security. It was also going to be a big payday in terms of revenue for advertising for the televised games. The going price for one minute in the Summit Series was $27,000, or $187,000 today. Typically a minute on Canadian television at the time cost $4,000, and even the Stanley Cup Final or the Grey Cup only brought in $13,000 per minute. By the end of August, $2.2 million in advertising had been sold, comprising 88% of the budget of the Summit Series. Tickets went on sale on August 10th for the Montreal Forum game, with 12,000 issued, but not all would go to fans. About 7,000 went to Hockey Canada for various individuals such as officials, politicians, dignitaries, embassy officials, the Soviets, and more. The rest went to regular people who paid $7 for a ticket. Season ticket owners in Montreal were not given precedence to ensure anyone could attend the games. All of the players on the team would also be insured for $200,000 each to cover them for injury or even in the event of a plane crash that killed the entire team. Expenses for Team Canada also amounted to $450,000, with an estimated $175,000 going to player expenses, $150,000 for travel, $50,000 for equipment and wardrobes, and $65,000 for salaries for the coaching staff. One person who was not excited about the whole thing, oddly, was the co-captain of Team Canada, Frank Mahovlich. He would say on August 14th at the start of training camp, Funny, I was a lot more excited about this when it was first announced than I am right now. Here we are making what I consider history, even if this becomes an annual affair. There's only one opening series. I thought I'd be a lot more excited than I am now. I suppose that once we start skating and getting close to the actual series, things will change. I'm sure they will. End quote. The last bit of business before the start of the Summit Series was who was going to call the English language play-by-play. Play. For many, there was no question who should do it. Foster Hewitt. For 40 years, Hewitt had been the voice of Hockey Night in Canada and was the man who popularized the phrase, He Shoots, He Scores. The decision was made to bring Hewitt out of retirement so he could call the Historic Series. And while it may seem perfectly logical to have him call the Series today, back then there was those who were not happy about it. Many in Montreal preferred Danny Gallivan to call the Series. Johnny Esau, sports director for CTV, would say, quote, He may not be the best in some people's eyes, but in the view of the historic significance of this series, I thought he was the only man for the job. Besides, the sponsors didn't want to be represented by Hockey Night in Canada images, end quote. As for Bobby Orr, he would come to camp and play in some scrimmages, but it was clear he was not going to play the games. Sindon would say, quote, Never count Bobby out if he makes up his mind to do something, end quote. And while Orr's mind was willing, his body simply was not going to let it happen. Thank you for joining me on Canadian History X. Information from Canadian Encyclopedia, Maclean's, NHL.com, Toronto Star, Wikipedia, Calgary Herald, and the Montreal Star. This show is researched, produced, and written by me, Craig Baird, with the help of producer Dila Velasquez. Audio design and production by Rob Johnson. If this is your first time listening and you like what you heard, please take a moment and give us a five-star review to help others find these amazing stories. And there are so many for you to sink your teeth into. And we love hearing from you. So if you have a show topic you want me to cover, email me at craig at And don't forget to stop by my website and social media. I've included all of those in my show notes. Until next time. I'm Craig Baird, and this is Canadian History X.